in a shrieking mood. Excellent. Well, considering the film literally ends on a shriek, you chose the right week to shriek. I love the right shrieking. week to shriek. Right. I do love shrieking. I like to shriek and I like to shrink inside of myself. Oh, wow. Out of Shane. I like to take my face off and be a glowing orb on the inside. <laughs> I like to be a devious smiling face. Mm-hmm. Demon. And then eat a man's neck <laughs> off. I'll eat you. <laughs> I like to be violated by uh, soot-covered, creepy-crawly, atomic bomb creatures who mm-hmm. pry open my body and remove the, the black germ of evil in my soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, same. I'm going to put my laptop away. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to take away my security blanket. I didn't even bring mine. Wow. But only because I knew that it was dead, and I didn't know how long we were going to hang out before we recorded, and I didn't want to have to wait on it to To boot up. Wow. To give it the boot. Does having the VLC player full screen on your laptop and then shutting your laptop, does your laptop never go to sleep? No, it does. It should. Because something weird's going on with my laptop where you might have is it, it dreaming. You might have a setting. Is your laptop having on. crazy surrealistic dreams? Yeah, and then I open it up and it's zero percent. It's dead, and I'm like, huh. you have to change that setting. It might be that if VLC is full screen, because you can turn you that could, off. Yeah. Oh, that when you it, just that close when you, VLC. That when you close it, you can just just change just, the setting. Just give it a little nod. Yeah, like and then you, it will know when you close it. It want you want it to go to sleep. Oh, is that not a standard setting? No, you have to change it. <gasps> the laptop doesn't go to sleep and you just close it? I never knew that. Not when VLC is open. That's oh, right. the thing. Oh. VLC automatically has you, you have to go in the preferences on VLC and tick that box. <sighs> this is this is a great episode to talk about VLC on because in a way this is a VLC episode and that it's going to be very Lynch content. Oh, Good segue. Nice. Sorry I'm the grandma asking tech questions. Nice. It's not a problem. We don't even need to do a segue. I, I wasn't ready we, we to usually, get into we, it. Well, no, we, well, usually we, talk for four, we usually talk 45 minutes we to an hour chat. before we actually discuss the topic just du jour. free the associate topic. for a little while. Let's free associate. So you, I'm sure you two are still uh, buzzing on Mission Impossible Fallout. Bzz. Honestly, Bzz. yes. I can't wait to see it again. I'm, yeah, I'm going to see it again this weekend. I'm going on Friday. Thank <gasps> God. Thank God. Maybe I'll go on Friday. Maybe you should. <gasps> How fun that would be. It's going to be at the Vista, right? I'm going to go. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. What? I said I don't know. I'm oh. sure. Yeah, I thought you can, said Can no. you talk to some Paramount people and, and get, the, get the 411? It's going to be there. There's not a new Disney movie out, so. Yeah, it'll I be there. I can't believe that Ant-Man and the Wasp is still playing at the Vista. It's just like, what else is there? It's then true. it'll definitely be Mission Impossible. Because nothing and nothing else really comes out this weekend other than Hot Summer Nights. My friend is good. Well, you know that's going to be some serious competition. And maybe what? Maybe A twenty four bought out the Vista. Oh yeah. Oh wait a minute. For this movie, I can I I, I can I can talk off the cuff about something. Speaking of A twenty four, did we see the trailer for the Jonah Hill movie? No, I didn't. Mid nineties. I didn't. Yeah, it is the most. Excuse me. The least interesting thing. The trailer is fine. I mean, like, it, it, it is shot with some bit of style. I, I don't know if it was shot on film, but there's a texture to it. I like the color grading. But I don't care because when you call your movie mid-90s, that tells me that as a filmmaker, what you're bringing to this, like your, your directorial debut, you are an Academy Award-nominated actor and you were trying mm-hmm. to take your reputation up a notch, push yourself artistically, and you just announced to the audience that your MO is, I'm such a 90s kid. Fuck off. Mid-90s? Yep. Yeah. 
I'm yeah. not interested. That is the worst title I've ever heard. I, I mean, I, it is an insultingly stupid title to me. Yeah. Because it's... Yeah, I'm a knight. I mean, it's not that you can't name your movie, like, what the thing is. Or, like, the time period. Because like, we just mm-hmm. played 1985 at Outfest. We talked about 8th grade or last week. Summer 1993. Mm-hmm. Or it's summer 1993. It was out this year. But it's, like, it's so, it's so lazy. Mid-90s. Is it even... It's not even... I mean, not that it has to be grammatically correct, but it's not grammatically correct. It should be the middle 90s. It should be... <laughs> There should be a dash. Mm. Oh no! It's it's isn't a, it one word? It's with very radically it? it's, one word. It's one word. Aren't there brackets around it? Or was that just a stylistic? If he is thing? trying to do a safe thing, a Todd Haynes <laughs> safe thing, he is not going to be safe. I think it's from capital M I D, no space nine zero, nine zero S. S. But I think there are brackets around it. I uh-uh. think I saw it stylized that way. Maybe someone just did that. God, I hope so. In a tweet or an article. In the trailer, it doesn't have brackets. Okay. I also watched Jonah a clip of Jonah Hill on, I think, Fallon or on Jimmy Kimmel or someone today, because someone, Hunter Harris, I think, tweeted it, mm. saying that, you know, Beanie, you know that Beanie Feldstein is is great because she wouldn't talk to Jonah Hill for a week after he went to the Comedy Oh, US I saw party. that clip. And so I watched the clip, and Jonah Hill looks like a douchebag. Yeah. He's wearing, like, wireframes, tinted glasses. Like He's a, trying a very, to be very, taken seriously very, now. No, yeah, but, but like, I, I'm, a, I'm a big, serious California artist, so it's still going to be a loud print. I'm having fun with my outfit, but I also, I'm buttoned up all the way, and I've and got my sleeves cuffed, and mm-hmm. I, I am, I'm the young intellectual uh, left, or whatever. Not the left, because... He talks about the Kanye thing, and he's like, "I didn't, I didn't know it was cool to not like Kanye anymore." I'm just like, "Kanye's given me so much. I just don't think that I don't think we should be giving up on people this easily. I don't think uh, we should." I was like, "Dude, fuck right off." In so, the you, year so you're gonna tell this 2018. Story in the year 2018, I don't need a directorial debut from Jonah Hill, and I thought. I would enjoy a directorial debut from Bo Burnham, but you know what? I'm gonna put him right in the same category. I would, I would split them in Baby. two. I would split them in two. I would only split them in two on one distinction, which is that Bo Burnham at least has a heart, and it's in his comedy. Even if we do, none of us like his comedy, but he is trying to be a good boy, and I don't sure. think it's like I don't think it's sure. like pretending to be a good guy and then tricking you. I think that I think he is like actually, yeah. I think he has a simple, I mean, mind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he has like a simple, like, it's not that he's not a capable of soul. death. It, no, it's just that he, uh, he seems like a nice person. I don't think that, of the world. I would be surprised if Bo Burnham was an asshole in person. And Jonah Hill, like if you run into Bo, I'll put it this way. If you run into Bo Burnham at Gracias Madre, you're like, oh my God, Bo Burnham's such a fan. He'd be like, oh wow, thank you so much. It's great to see you. And then even if he like immediately walked out, he would give you that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it would be fake. With Jonah Hill, it would be like, a, oh, I can't talk right now, man. Sorry. Oh, I'm here with this girl right now. I can't really do this right now. Like, So if you're going to talk about the, the – do you agree or disagree? No, no I no. agree. Yeah. Because I mean, th- I, these are ad hominem. I'm, I'm, I'm snickering. I have inside information, so I can't. About Bo or about Jonah? Jonah. Ooh. That he's we'll talk off the mic. best. I, that's all I'll oh, say. Oh, really? Well, I, I also – Really? Mm-hmm. I also have heard from a friend – you know what? No, I'm trying so hard not to say things on the mic that Ben is going to have to cut out after the fact. But I have also heard that he is delightful. And Great. I actually like him as an actor. I'm not going to be like, I'm not interested in Jonah Hill's perspective. All I'll say but, is pretty much 
anytime someone who is famous for not directing decides to direct a movie, that is a hurdle that they have to cross for me. Like, that is already, like, a knock against them that they're already famous for something else. I know that about you. And it's, and it's the, it's the, bra- so there's, a, there's a trio. I mean, for, well, okay, let's not, not including Bo Burnham, it's. Uh, Bradley Cooper and Jonah mm-hmm. Hill. I guess those are more closely tied here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I have to say, having seen the A Star is Born trailer maybe 15 times now, I'm fully excited. Well, same. But... I'm, I'm fully looking forward to it. <laughs> same. Mostly because I mean, yeah, when but... Lady Gaga goes, oh, yes. oh, oh, it kills me. I'm excited because it's <laughs> A Star is Born. Of course. Right. But that was sort of my moment. It's not like I think it looks so great. Yeah. I'm like, we're about to do A Star is Born. We're going to have this talent in this milieu in with this look with Chappelle. With Sam Elliott in the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Something to look forward to. Oh, I would tell you guys the story. I would have been more excited about Chappelle a couple years ago, I have to say. Sure. Did I ever tell you guys the story uh, I almost hit Jonah Hill with my car? I think you've told it on the microphone here. Oh, that great. familiar. But tell it again. I probably, I'm sure I've told it. He was entering a crosswalk unprotected, and I was fresh to LA, so I wasn't uh, familiar with the rules of the unprotected left. If someone enters it, you have to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just like, kept on going (laughs) and he was stepping right in with this like seven foot tall amazonian height model-esque woman and he was just like bouncing along next to her good for him and then yeah i almost hit him (laughs) it's funny what what ben you said about having insider knowledge he's a really nice guy i'm just now remembering that and this is the end that's the exact lampooning of that character which is that oh no Jonah's like the nicest guy Jonah's such a sweetheart and then he's actually a total fucking dick an asshole which of course like you know that doesn't necessarily mean that it's true and I don't want to slander anybody I just don't that specifically that story I don't see why Jonah Hill I I just especially after the Kanye West thing about being like a white boy who loves hip hop it is what I get from Jonah Hill now Mm -hmm. it's not even inauthentic to me I'm just like I hate your title the, That's the, actually it. I just hate the title. The trailer didn't excite me in any way, shape, or form. I think he he seems to be doing some cool stuff with the depth of the frame. Sure. I will say. I saw people were tweeting about it, and I logged off Twitter, and I didn't look at the timeline again. Excellent. Good. Because I good. just was like, Good nah. for you. Disengage. I was like, I'm going to go watch Eyes Wide Shut at my desk in the afternoon and on the work day. Wonderful. Oh, and, you're blessed that it didn't hit your TL until the afternoon. <laughs> No, I got it. It was first, first thing, thing in the morning. In the morning. That's just what else I did today. There was a lot on the TL today. A big uh, series announcement that I just skimmed the headline. Gay seemed excited, and I just totally zoned it out. Fosse could not tell you what it is. What is it? Is it the Fosse show on FX, which I'm moderately sure. excited for? Who's doing it? Yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh, oh that's starring that Sam Rothwell and Michelle oh. Williams as Gwen Verdon. I'm in. Yeah. yeah, I'm in. I'm very excited. I'm in. I know. Same. So that's the thing. That's what it is. I think that was what. I, that is. That's what the only I, one I saw. That is gonna, because it's, it's it was going sent to, be, to me. It is going to be. If this is good, it is going to be hilarious to watch gays do an about face around Sam Rockwell mm-hmm. because I feel like a lot of people in the whole three awards discussion lost track of the fact that Sam Rockwell is one of our greatest living yes. character actors. And, and and he's actually great in the movie. You're right. That he yeah, won which we talked of, which we talked about on the podcast before. We don't need to he just didn't it, deserve but, to win because. 
of what the movie is. Yes. And I right. wouldn't have given it to him. I would have given it to Willem Dafoe. But as, I, as we have talked about, Sam Rockwell's, I agree that he's great in the movie. But if he, when if he, if he kills it as Bob Fosse, there's going to be this sudden reversal. Yes. He will be one of us again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, he's not queer, but he's always been an outsider in Hollywood. Like, of all the straight character actors to root for. Yeah. He's could, the one. You could hardly, yeah. Make also, a Fosse choice. isn't gay, so. Of that, no, I know, but it's, you know, it's, I mean, but. No, I don't, I don't need to a, explain why this good, is gay, though, right? Yeah, I'm just yeah. yes. So it is something to actually be excited about. I think so. Fuck okay. Yeah. Michelle Williams as Gwen. It's their. It's FX's first like major non Ryan Murphy project. Right. No, I was about in, to be like, see, long, see, that's why when I, I saw doing when it. I saw FX in the headline, I automatically assumed Ryan I did Murphy. Too, and then so. I opened it, and the article specifically says like. Ryan Murphy has left FX, and this is how they are moving okay, forward. Okay, this, this is how they're. It's also it's very exciting alive. that Lin Manuel Miranda is moving into TV in this regard. But I that is exciting. I have intentionally not spent any time apart money. from one listen mm-hmm. of Hamilton because I want to go in fresh whenever I do fucking see it. So I can't really speak to Lin Manuel Miranda apart from the fact that I I always enjoy him when he's on programs. Here's what I have to say about seeing Hamilton now that it's the monumental thing that it is. Do not sit in the cheap seats because I did that. I bought an impulse ticket to go when it was in LA and everyone around me was singing like it was a concert. Gross. I was like, Ew. That, that is what happened. The theater. Like spent, what? spent $200 and sit in the front. Yes. It's probably more than $200. Yeah. No, no, you're right. right. Because was... if you're going to sing along, sit in the fucking back. Yeah. If you're going to sing along mm-hmm. and I'm not, so I, I would move up. I saw Mamma Mia, singing? Here We Go Again last night. And my friend and I were the only ones uh, singing along. Quietly, of course. Did you enjoy it? I loved it. Did you see it yet? Not yet. I really I was going to go it. the other day, and then I didn't feel like leaving the house. I will wait Fair. until you see it, and then maybe we'll in- we'll start an episode by talking about it for five minutes or something. But I actually think it's an interesting movie. Um, it's not it's not an au- like an auteur-driven piece. Yeah. It's not like high art. But I actually think for what it is, it is making some choices that I have not seen. Is the camera in the right place compared to the original? I haven't seen the, the original in a while. Yes. In the, right the, the, ca- yes. the camera doesn't stop moving in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. And it does some things that blend a theatrical and cinematic experience without trying to fool you. Like, I'll, I'll just say, there's one part where the camera glides between a uh, a wall where we have two characters in different countries, uh-huh. and the camera, like, connects them. Like, they're you know, they're back-to-back against the wall. Like Sense8. It's, it's like Sense8. It's exactly like Sense8. <laughs> so, like, the camera, the the camera, like, mo- the camera moves through the wall, and you can see, like, there's a big gap in this wall. They're not mm-hmm. pretending that it's, like, an invisible thing. Like, it's not David Fincher in um, Panic Room. Mm-hmm. And then we cut from that to Amanda Seyfried in the room, like, where the walls are clearly closed. Like, it's not even trying to like hide the the fun theatricality the, that it's doing within um while also like doing like a lot of interesting the, cuts and yeah in, the, in, in in a more cinematic tradition that i act- thought it was great the actual filmmaking is better than the first one it's because there's a director who is Familiar with directing film, yeah, right. Phil Lloyd. Well, we'll, we'll, do, a, we'll do a whole episode in on the original Mamma Mia. Are is amazing. Yes, yes. It's just the camera's literally never in the right place. <laughs> like not one. Well, that's also true about the Iron Lady. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm gonna do a Dutch angle of Margaret Thatcher pounding her fists in Parliament. <laughs> Except she won Academy her that Oscar. Award winner. Well, that's a tough she conversation to have because how much I say that I say that Phil Lloyd can't really be a gay 
Like she can't be a hero of the gay community mm-hmm. when she then her next movie is Was the Margaret Thatcher movie. The but Meryl Streep also played her. I know. And so I don't. We'll have to have this conversation later on when we have more time to dedicate to this. But I don't think it's exactly the same thing. And I think that Meryl Streep. I think Meryl Streep comes at it from just the angle of what a great role. Not necessarily. I do too. You know, I believe. Not, not where no, a director you, you got probably it. does come from the angle of I believe in this. I think. Mm-hmm. I think the difference, and, and I love that how you said that. That Meryl says, "What a great role," and Phyllis says, "What a great role model." Yeah. When it comes to the Margaret Thatcher story, I'm like, "What a great story." Yeah. That I need to tell. Right. <laughs> I think that Meryl also knew she'd won an Oscar for it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it's also kind of crazy when you think about it, like. For decades, for as long as the academy, no, no, but as, oh, as okay. long as the academy's been around, it's like, oh, that liberal academy—they're always mm-hmm. pushing these uh, socially progressive uh, values that are antithetical to Main Street America. Fuck those lefty commie liberals, and then they give Meryl an Oscar for playing Margaret Thatcher mm-hmm. after twenty years, after not winning for twenty years, she wins for playing a conservative. She should have won for playing Julia Child. She should have won. <laughs> Get the list. I'm playing Susan Orlean. Let me just like throw out my list. <laughs> Top five. Number one, Sophie's Choice. Number two, Adaptation. Number three, Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. Number four, The Bridges of Madison County. Number five, Angels in America. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Good oh, night. speaking of TV have as nice film. Day. Oh. Oh, segue? I think that is a pretty tight seg. I want to say one more thing about Mama Please. Mia. Here we go again. Please. And you mentioned it. Here we go it. again. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you mentioned this in the group chat. Not no, no, in the I group chat. In a private in chat. In a private chat. I'm going to bring it up because I, it's I, not I, a spoiler. It was in a private chat because I didn't want Ben to know about it. It's fine. I, it, I'm okay, going to say I it. I truly don't care. So, uh, Pierce, young Pierce Brosnan is played by, I can't remember the actor's is name. Is it Sam Claflin? No. Okay, because I don't know who that is, but I when I saw that he's phrase, the Hunger like, Games boy. Him? I don't know. I don't. And the boy in the wheelchair with Amelia Clark. Yes, oh, me and it. you and everyone we know. It. What was that movie right. called? Uh, it was called uh, We Are Your Friends. All right, Brandon, giddy up. I love you, long time. He was Something. not me and you. And no, I know. I'm know. just. It's a title like that. <laughs> oh, I think, Brandon, trot along with your point. What? Oh my God! Trot along, giddy up. <laughs> wow. Tell him. Um. <laughs> so. That actor plays young Pierce Brosnan, and he has a moment with a horse. Mm. And there's an angle on him with the horse that literally could have been pulled from War Horse. Mm. It's just a golden sky just (laughs) rippling around his lean body. So, Mamma Mia, here we go again. That the angle makes it look like they were fucking, but no, no. But that would also be like in War Horse. That would also be like War Horse. Yes. Look at uh, the haunches on that journey. <laughs> so if we were to talk about it, Horses IMO would continue. Huh. Yes. Can't. But we are not doing <laughs> an episode on it. We're not. No, we're not. R.I.P. This has been the well, moment one more thing. One more segment. Thing. One more thing. When you see it, Ben, we'll have we'll we'll circle back. We'll have a five minute chat which because will be a I don't think chat. I'll have time for the before the next episode. But on the next there's episode, there's no rush. There's no rush. But I will say, I, is I, I suffer from Jamie Dornan face blindness, and I suffer mm. from Lily James face blindness. Mm. This might be the movie to beat that back. She's wow. very uh, contagiously charming in the Great. film. This is the best she's ever been. Yeah, but she's not bad in Cinderella. But I didn't see that. She's not great in Cinderella either. But anytime, I've, anytime the lights go down for a movie that she's in, I'm like, Lily James go. again? 
Here we go. Star of Darkest Hour, <laughs> Academy Award yeah. nominee. The whole showed up the whole in that. Thing, no, no, but the whole thing for Mommy, here we go again. Like the whole entirety of her being on screen, and it's a lot of her. I was just staring at her face being like, I don't remember you in Darkest Hour. Like I was trying to like I truly like, don't put her hair back into like a bun in my head or make it messy or have some it. soot on her face. I could not I could not Doesn't link she it get together. hit by a car or something? She dies? In Darkest in Hour? In Mamma Mia? Or am I thinking of what happens to <laughs> Winston of baby Churchill's driver? assistant in The Crown? You're thinking about what happens You're to... You're thinking of The Crown. Someone... You're thinking about what happens to Mary Louise Parker in Red Sparrow. Mm. <laughs> Your favorite yes. film. Red Sparrow. So you loved Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Yeah, I really did. He doesn't have a stick up his ass as the onion. <laughs> I am the onion Let article. me just, Brandon, did you, not, did you not have fun when you were watching it? I had fun <laughs> when it was in the present day. Oh. Well, oh my Every- God, the choreography in Waterloo? Ooh, it's so creative. Sure. So inventive. Sure. They're just having, they're just putting on a show, Brandon. They're just putting on a show. You know sure. what else they put on a show in? <laughs> Meet Me in St. Louis, one of the greatest films of all time. Watch that instead. I would, the, I, I the would say, Mia, here we're going. To, it's a worthy air to Meet Me in St. Louis. I would have to say, <laughs> wow. in the pantheon the of great American musicals, the flashbacks never worked 100% for me. Well, I mean, none of the movie works 100%. Yeah, but even in just enjoyment, I don't know. The, there were some flashback sequences that I couldn't wait to be over. Those guys were so hot. And I no. Just, they're fucking <laughs> Every, All three of them were bland. Oh, no. I had big, big hard crushes on all of them. Big boners in your big seat. big throbbing crushes on all of them. <laughs> but I will say, mm-hmm. I will say, this, this, is, this is a little racy, a <laughs> little racy for the podcast. No. But watching Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, I was reminded how listening to ABBA when I was like 13, 14 years old made me very horny. And you could dance and you could jive no but like listening to it made me feel like a life. like a gay like man a sexually with a liberated with young a, woman exa- yes well I, except, except a gay being oh, a gay man daniel it was total escapism for me yeah did you in the first moment mia notice the woman with the bushel of sticks during dancing queen does she come back again in this one she comes back yeah i thought that was a callback <laughs> it's been several years i mean it's been many years since i've seen the original mama mia mama mia here we go again brought me a very specific joy in specific moments not the entire film thank you so much this is this i will never talk about this movie ever again wow okay <laughs> okay fine. wow that's fine because i'm gonna get yelled at i'm frightened of you're afraid face. of a hit job <laughs> From the Mama Mafia. They're going to shove glitter in my mouth while I sleep (laughs) and make me choke. The first one is fun. The first one is amazing. They're going to stuff you with Spanakita. It's amazing. Two and a half and a heart. I think. That's me for the second one. Here's the best thing about Mama Mia. Here we go again. Here we go again. Here we go again. (laughs) It's a lot of fun, like from start to finish, but I'm not even saying that as a push me back to what Brandon said. I'm just trying to get to my point. Like, but. Is everybody a great singer? No, some people are a little pitchy, some people are a little breathy, some people are a little Broadway. That was the case of the first one. But, no, let me just get to my, I'm, I'm arriving, I'm arriving where I'm going. When Cher shows up and sings Fernando, you're like, oh, right, this is what a professional sounds like. Yeah. She is so good. And it's mm, not, I mean, it, it is partly, oh my God, it's Cher cameo, and it's also partly, you have just injected a sense of soul into this film like the she's last... not only a great singer but she's a great actor she's an academy award-winning <laughs> actor the last I, I, 20 minutes are great if it were up to me what's the other one mask 
Uh, no, I would probably, I would at least nominate her for Best Burlesque. Supporting Actress and, uh, no, come back Burlesque. to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean. Oh, Jimmy Dean. okay. No, but I actually, and this is, I think that Cher deserved a Golden Globe nomination at least for her performance as Cher in the Fairly Brothers 2003 comedy, Stuck on You. I have no memory of that. Cher played, I, don't Cher, even, I don't even know. So, I know who the Fairly Brothers so are. So Greg Kinnear, Greg Kinnear and Matt Damon play conjoined twins. Greg Kinnear wants I do to not be know Cher is in that Hold movie. Hold on. Greg Kinnear wants to be an actor, so they move from Martha's Vineyard to Hollywood. They live in like a shitty apartment, or it's like in a hotel, basically, next to Eva Mendez, and they run into Cher like at the Earth Cafe, and Cher sort of becomes Greg Kinnear's mentor, and they end up being on a network <laughs> sitcom together. Oh, it's not a, it's not a cameo. Cher is what? the main supporting female and character, she and she plays Cher. <laughs> By the way, you know who else is in Stuck uh, on You playing herself? That. Meryl fucking Streep. Uh, what? Yeah, there's a, they they run is in there, Stuck on they You were, actually a masterpiece. I mean, I haven't seen it in fifteen, I mean, 10, 11, 12 years. I'm sure it's insensitive in ways that I wouldn't like going back on it now. Mm. But the fact that there is a scene where Greg Kinnear approaches Meryl Streep and is like, "Oh my God, Sophie's Choice, like Bridges of Madison County." Uh, and he's like, one summer you were on Martha's Vineyard. You were on the Vineyard when we were in high school. Uh, do you remember that? And, and Meryl's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't, but nice nice to see you. And then they walk away, and then the camera stays on Meryl, and she goes, wait a minute, I remember that. And then it like, cuts to a flashback of like <laughs> what? playing football in high school. Yeah. And Meryl's very... I want to watch this. I'm going to watch this. It's not good. It's not good. I'm still going to watch it. But I also... I'm intrigued. I loved Greg Kinnear when I was a younger man Mm. because I loved him in As Good As It Gets. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I was like, like, best supporting male performance of all time, that would be Greg Kinnear in As Good As It Gets. And so... I have two things to say. Yeah, please. One... Friend of the pod, Sam Herbst, has a podcast, Friend of the Podcast, The Kid Manifesto. And I've been getting <laughs> That's a friend up. of uh, literally our podcast. Yes, not the three the, of us. The two we're friends with, we're friends friends. with Sam, yeah, but the two podcasts are good friends. Yes. Um, I haven't listened to many podcasts in the past like six months other than like Screen Talk and the Film Comment Podcast. So I'm getting caught up on The Kid Manifesto. And they talked about... Um, when Nicole is named one of the most important people in the world by time, and they were discussing who would write other actors' blurbs, because yeah. Naomi wrote hers, yes. and Jane Steinberg was the guest on this episode, so they were talking about Meryl, and neither of them said that Cher should write it, and I specifically, as I was listening to it yesterday, was like, Cher is the obvious choice, in lieu of Carrie Fisher. Well, the problem is that Cher would write the whole thing in emojis. That's true. <laughs> but Cher is the person that should do that. Sam, when you listen to this, please at me. <laughs> Impeach the motherfucker already! <laughs> the other thing I was going to say... I dated a man once who was French, like, from France, and when he went to As Good As It Gets as a child, when his mom found out it was about homosexuals, she dragged him right out of the movie. That happens in the first act. Because the French are very homophobic. Oh, no. If you're not not Claire Denis or Juliette (laughs) Binoche, or Catherine Breyer... We're not big fans of the French, it seems. Which is, On this which, pod. Which is something very, like, early 2000s conservative, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if I like it, but I think a trend has developed, and but it needs you, to be acknowledged. You know, it's just like, when you watch French commercial cinema, it's worse than American the commercial French, cinema, French you know? com- <laughs> French comedies are racist, mm-hmm. homophobic, yes. sexist, yeah. and so broad yeah. that you can't even find the story in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I understand this the home of Jean Renoir. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, and Isabelle Huppert. 
I, I, Who am I trying to say? Jean-Luc Godard. I almost said uh, Ingmar Bergman. And, no, but not <laughs> but far off. But Miss Agnes Varda, if you're nasty. Mm-hmm. But who is from Belgium, actually? Right. So, not so. And so is Chantal. And so is Chantal. Oh, my God. Really get Okay, Belgium. get this. I tried to snap a pic, and I'm pretty upset I couldn't get my camera open in time. But at the Outfest... The, oh, thank God. The last time I'll talk about Outfest on the program for another year. The closing night... Uh, Maybe the, not. The award show... Outfest? I don't know. Oh. Um, Maybe it'll come up. I don't know. We'll see. Um, a movie called Dyke's Camera Action won a programming award or won an audience award won for best first feature. And it's all about lesbian oh, what directors. Won the, the big award? We the Animals. Nice. Oh, wonderful. We the Animals. Well, one for shorts. Um, oh, this! I'm so happy with this choice. So the international narrative jury went to The Things You Think I'm Thinking, which is an outstanding short film, and I'm not going to say anything about it, but I, I have noticed it is getting programmed left and right all over the country. So if you live in a major city and there's going to be a queer film festival or just a film festival, keep an eye out for that short, The Things You Think I'm Thinking, because it's probably it will probably pop up near you. It's beautiful. And then Fran This Summer, which is also really, really great, won the... Um, domestic narrative. And then the documentary prize went to These Are My Hands. Mm-hmm. I feature? Think. No, short. short. Um, I don't remember which one the feature prize. But anyway, this is all to say there was a picture of Chantal Ackerman on the on the on the big screen at the Ace uh, oh. Theater and I tried to snap a pic, but alas. Oh. alas. Or at least I think it was Chantal. I mean it looked just like her, but the whole point of the documentary is to make you aware of some folks you that you maybe not, not it's not the whole point, but it maybe it's someone that's not on my radar, but I'm pretty yeah. sure it was Chantal. <gasps> Wonderful. Well, what all right, let's segue. Cause <laughs> this is a very long introduction. <laughs> zero. I, I've made the intro happen and now it, snap, snap. Now it has lasted 30 minutes. Are you shitting me? Because I'm shooting a movie minutes. in the fall, so we need to speed this up. I have to wake up early. Okay, all right. <laughs> Jesus ben Christ. is snapping in Brandon's face. <laughs> you know, what did you tell me before? David Lynch took three, Look, it's five Leo years. season now. My horoscope told me... The to passive- snap in a Leo's face? No, it said <laughs> the passive-aggressive energy of cancer season is going to give way to a more direct approach in Leo's. <laughs> For Scorpios? Mm-hmm. Your horoscope also told you to sue people when you feel like it. <laughs> Just that one day. It's only one time. He's going to sue his the Movies day. IMO co-hosts. <laughs> okay, shut up. <laughs> okay. Keeping me up so later. anyway, Speaking now that Leo mouth. season arises, listen mm. up, you fuckers. Huh? <laughs> We haven't even introduced the show That's yet. what I'm trying to say. What the fuck? This is Leo IMO. <laughs> this is Movies IMO. Your birthday's Welcome. coming up. Yeah, bitch. What's, what's you- the exact dot? Uh, the date of Black what's Klansman, the and it's also my brother's birthday. It is the date Black Klansman comes out. It's the date Madeline's Madeline c- oh. comes out. It's the date The Meg comes out. What is uh, The Meg? I've heard the name. A I giant shark that. movie. But is it a comedy? Is it a horror? It's a comedy. Okay, I'm very Com- confused. Comedy, horror, but mostly comedy. It's a comedy. It's a comedy. It's a comedy. August 10th is my birthday when all those three films hit. The 10th? Theatres, yes. My friend Mikey's birthday is the 11th. Oh, fun. A fellow Leo. Fellow Leo. <sighs> Baby is... Grant's a Leo. 
Here yeah, we, that yeah, she is. Mamma Mia, here we Leo again. I got him Ooh. for his birthday. Melissa Leo. Thank Ooh. God this drops after the party because he probably listens. Ah! I got him. <laughs> I got him a plush. Ah! Wait, frog. Can, we, can we go back and talk about that? When, once you're done? Did you get him a plush lion? No, I got him a plush frog from the Princess and the Frog because he keeps watching the Princess and the Frog, but mm. but like prefaces it with, "I guess I'll watch that dumb girl movie again." I just like the frog. His shame. No, this this is what I'm getting at. His I know he doesn't shame. actually listen to the podcast, but I. How old is he turning? Did you say four? Four. I love the idea of a three year old escaping to the attic with a pair of like noise canceling headphones, <laughs> and listening like like he's watching Will and Grace mm-hmm. on TV when his parents aren't watch or can't uh, can't keep track of his content ingestion. Love the idea of a three year old going out to the attic to listen to movies I M O with the cans on. <laughs> Listen mm. to these faggots. And I also got him some nap at each other. Wana wana pajamas. Oh, hell yeah. Was it with the chicken? No, it you was. You got him Moana pajamas? Yeah, he likes Moana too. That's so sweet. Make way. Vicky goes and watches them like one week of the month to help out. And uh, she can just hear Grant at the end of the block with the neighbor kids just scream, you fucking idiot. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he's three uh-huh. <laughs> oh and he's God. calling the neighbors fucking idiots uh-huh. just the children the other children the other children well now we know what the second season of amc anthology series the terror will be about. <laughs> grant is the terror child the titular the terror mm-hmm. <laughs> okay sorry right. to derail the podcast it's... about leo's i love a family anecdote leo season well this is movies imo <laughs> we are your favorite film faggots i'm brandon kirby I'm Ben Empey. I'm Daniel Crook. And today, we are at the one-year anniversary. Is it today? What's the actual date? I think when we did passed it already, right? It premiered and it was ongoing at this point. Here. We no. are in the ballpark of the one-year anniversary of David Lynch's Twin It started Peaks. Memorial Day weekend and ended Labor Day weekend. Okay, so we're in the midst of the... We, we're, we're in the lodge. In the lodge somewhere. David Lynch's Twin Peaks, The Return, which we like to call... On this program, Twink Picks. Twink Picks. Twink Picks, the return. Mentioned from here forward as Twink Picks. Absolutely. Referred twink to picks. as. Well, mm-hmm. anytime someone on the on the podcast has referred to it as Twin Peaks, the return, that was a uh, uh, melaprep. It was not meant to be said. The name of the show is Twink Picks, the return. Correct. Or twink. simply Twink Picks. Twink Picks. <laughs> um, <laughs> Produced by Cocky Boys. Oh. Oof. Um, so Ben watched it a year ago when it came out. Mm-hmm. Me and Daniel have just watched it for the first time. I finished it three hours ago, but I have been spreading it out over the last two months. And I binged the shit out of it in July. So we are all coming mm-hmm. from very different, uh, viewing habits here, which is interesting. I would like to say that I did yeah. not watch it like immediately. No, didn't you every like, week. weren't you like, I had waited. a full like Lynch summer. I, I remember watched, I decided to watch all of the ones that I hadn't seen, which was vast um, and then it was like, I caught up and I watched like the last three, the day of the finale, but it was just like running up to September. If I was to choose summer. a David Lynch title that best describes the podcast, it would be wild at heart. And if I was to choose Ooh. a David Lynch title that least describes the podcast, it would be the straight story. Oh, nice. That was a good joke. How long have we been thinking about that? I just thought of it. That's I amazing. was going to say, that's all, that seemed planned. Well, no, it was not canned or planned. Canned or planned. Canned nor planned. Nothing on this podcast is canned or planned. But when you say the phrase, David Lynch films I haven't seen, every time in my head I go to the straight story. Mm. Yeah. And so when you said Me that, that, 
I, now I'm now like, mine I'm, is I'm, only I'm Dune. behind behind the bit right now behind the mm. bit. That's how I got there. Nice. Mm. Dune is just the only don't want to have Just don't. You got to watch that that spice before the you spice. Got, you got to you got to spice up your life. They before say Timmy the word spice eighty thousand times in that movie. Is that drink. what they're looking for? I don't know. <laughs> oh my god, could you imagine the drinking game? I've never seen Dune. We would be dead. We I have seen uh, Jodorowsky's Dune, which is fantastic. Aww. You guys would love that documentary. I have been meaning to it's see really it. It's really fun. And now, Timothée Chalamet might be yeah. in What's-His-Fuck's Dune. Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. That's right. Love a Dune. Did so, I say on the podcast that what? I saw El Topo, speaking of Jodorowsky? I, I saw it on 35. I no. I will have to save it for another week, but I got a lot to say about El Topo. A lot to well, say. maybe we should all watch it. Well, we we should, and I'd love to talk about it. But maybe no. we're all, maybe we're, it will fit in as a homework assignment. Look, I know that we have eighteen hours to get through our Twink Picks conversation, but we are three hours in. This is sort of when we start to get some form of narrative. It's true. Yeah, it's true. So I think in the structure of this episode, if it's going it's to very be nebulous, okay. I have one more thing that's completely unrelated to say. <laughs> sure, I. Th- think i have officially decided i'm going to toronto because high life is going yeah i saw that but i have i oh. still like i can't bring myself to put money down Did just fucking do it <laughs> I, thought, I thought ben i thought you did it already I, I'm, me too. I'm fucking pissed that you you're made the decision I, I was so proud of you no i just i mean i've been telling everybody i've been calling my parents saying we're so <laughs> Can you thrilled for ben Ben's and going? i've been lying you've made a liar no out of the me. truth is i so i had to get an i got is a, that a housewife's quote you've made a liar out of me oh, camille i'm sure it is <laughs> I got a new credit card that has like a 0% interest rate Bitch, for two years. Why are you not on your way to the Maple Leaf? So I moved money from my other credit card to that. So I'm waiting for that to go through before I make any purchases. We should talk after Is what I'm trying to say. About, you, can help, you can help me with that. Money? Yeah. Um, I need help. <laughs> I know. We had a big conversation. No, no, we had a big conversation. Call about- me by my shame. <laughs> I, you told me it wasn't shame. When we were talking at Akbar over a cocktail last week. Sure. It's not shame. It's shared. It's yeah. Uh-huh. We're dancing uh-huh. around it because no one wants to say what we're talking about. <laughs> but like, I'm so only going to go to Toronto if I like promise myself I'm going to maximize like networking events over movies. You have to because this is because otherwise there's no point to. Go. I was talking to friend of the, I was talking to friend of the pod Matter Spamer today over DM. He was also thinking about going, and maybe by the time this comes out, he will have bought his ticket, and maybe you will too. But I was saying, with all with all my love to Toronto, let's not pretend like it's 1999 anymore. Everything you're going to see it, like yeah, yeah, like Toronto programs a lot of movies. Like you can totally find a discovery at Toronto. But let's be honest, you're going to go see the Denis, you're going to go mm-hmm. see the Asayas, you're going to go gonna see go the Barry see, Jenkins, yes. and you're going to see the Na- the Lajlo Nimish. Like mm-hmm. you're, and and you should, right. but. These are all movies that you'll see over the next six months. Correct. So if you're not using it as a networking opportunity, mm-hmm. or if you don't just want to treat yourself, yeah. or if you're not doing it to write about, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're a, an entertainment journalist, mm-hmm. then, but my whole point is, if it's going to be a financial burden that's going to fuck you up for the next six months, keep in mind, you'll probably think about that when you go to see the Barry Jenkins yeah. for a second time. So I have to... Yeah. And I say that with love. I'm, if I do it, I have to buy the industry pass because that'll get me into things. Yeah. And then it's just like, that's $700. So here we go. It's all, yeah, it's networking. It's also a great opportunity here we go. Just to like catch up with, like, I'm sure that you, like I'm sure like, you know plenty of like friends who are going to yeah, be there. Yeah. It's too. like I, all, a lot of my New York friends will be there and it'll be like 
good to catch up. I really think you should go. Like I said, I should just go. I'm, you know, I can tell my boss and my old boss, like, can you let me know? And like, international people that I should meet with that are going to be there and just just do it because my grandma is already requesting pictures Mm, about it, and I can't (laughs) tell my grandma that I was. Plus, then I can see the new Denis. Yeah. Yes. Get get a taste of that Miller High Life. Mm. uh, Also, okay. Last thing on this topic, (laughs) Sam Herbst. (laughs) I, he asked me if who I'm by the a, way is a friend of the pod and his the podcast pod. The Kid Manifesto is a friend of our podcast Movies I Know we don't know either of them but they're pretty good friends correct yes um, the pods are friends I know that he booked his tickets to TIFF last night and he asked me if I was going and I replied this morning that well High Life is there so now I am gonna go and he was like well the, and there's also the new Olivia Asayas my response was Francis McDormand yeah that's fine that's weird that you went that way because you love Olivia Asayas. I like Personal Shopper a lot. Yeah, but that was his last movie, so that's a good place to come from. I guess. I just, I think. Have you seen Irma Vep? No, I haven't. Oh. And I think Clouds of Sils Maria is fine. Oh, I think really? it's basically yeah. a near masterpiece. Wait, what's uh, he's Asayas's new movie? It's called. It's like Still Living Life? with the Director. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. It's something like that. Yes. Wait, Life. what's the Francis McDormand joke? Francis McDormand's at the Met in- Gala. She was being interviewed by Vogue and her back was to the camera and he pointed and it was like, the camera's there. And she said, yeah, that's fine. Oh, you're doing a thing. I I was doing that. Correct. But I was going to say something too. Oh, there's all, Brandon, maybe you should go. The new Nicole Holof Center is going to be there. (gasps) What? Uh, (laughs) I love her. The only genre you can select on the website is a female director. I saw that. (laughs) So Nicole waiting for me. Mm. What's her new film called? Don't remember. Great. Mm. Also, the new Jason Reitman. Yeah. The front runner. The I'm, Gary Hart. I mean, oh, I, I I'm think not I mentioned. For I think that. You, you should be. I'm excited for it. Get the Gary Hart story? Are you kidding? I'll get, mo- I'll get the excited. Mo- the moment that. Give me a minute. The moment in American politics, modern American politics in this. American politics in this country, I was going to say, <laughs> where the personal life became just as important as the political platform, policy and personal life intertwine. Well, it's not important anymore. Gary Hart? Have you seen what we're going through? (laughs) (laughs) Correct. But the reason why everyone's so shocked is because it has meant so much for the past, like, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And Gary Hart is the fulcrum point. I'll get excited. It's also Jason Reitman. Star star of... uh, The Greatest Showman. Star of The Greatest Showman. Speaking, this is me. Speaking of musicals, I'm going to take... I'm just going to get this... It's not even a point. Just something I like about Twink Picks. It's a lot of things in one. Wait, and I w- had a launching point. Oh, yes. In the logline, I hope. You, you are going to sum up the plot of this thing. <laughs> it is your the week. quick yeah, and easy I'm gonna, plot. I'm gonna, Just very Do you want to make your point about the music? Or no, let's get I'll to wait, that later. I'll wait. Because I want to talk about the music. Talk about the music. No, no. Just do your thing. The launching point was, <laughs> let's have a conversation. Do you guys think this is a movie or a TV show? <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. Thank you. We are Brandon, not. Brandon, I, I don't like this bit. Kidding. <laughs> I love it. The official not. position of Movies I Am is, who gives a fuck? Is it's the greatest thing you've ever seen in whatever medium you decide you Similar you to Mamma Mia, here we go again. The question is not, does ABBA exist in the Mamma Mia universe? The question is, can Joy exist in this one? And the answer is yes. <laughs> That's right. And the ant, <laughs> yes. Um, sorry, I just but really like, though, TV or film B. I think I can summarize Twin Peaks pretty succinctly. It's not your week. I know, but I'm just saying. I think I can do it. Let me give it a whirl. Okay. 
It's 25 years later. From what? From the end of Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. And it's 25 years from, from Fire Walk With Me. From Fire Walk With Me, uh, right. It's 26 years from the end of... It was, I'm, wouldn't I'm, it be the other way around? I'm getting... Twink, Twink Picks, Fire Walk With Me is a prequel? No, but release date-wise. Oh! That, that we're talking about timeline of the Twink Picks universe. No. Release date-wise. So I'm, I'm scrubbing through this Twink Pick too oh, much. Oh, yeah, because it's my release date-wise, and then there's the story. It's my feeling that in David Lynch's master plan, he thought this show was going to be on the air in 2016. Because it's in 1991, the Laura Palmer says, I'll see you again in 25 years. Right. But he did shoot it in 2016, and it happens before Trump is elected. It's true. I mean, not that it's talking about Obama and any of it, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just bringing stuff outside of it, like mm-hmm. meta to uh, meta textual. But this feels so the year 2016 to me. I'm and, sure. we, and we, I'm sure we'll talk about everything this film has to say about the contemporary this film, American society, the world. Yes. Cooper is in the black lodge. He gets displaced by evil Cooper. Mr. C. I've looked up. How do we refer to him? It's Mr. Mr. C. Okay. I'm probably going to call him bad Cooper. Cause I've also, bad seen, I've also seen that as the reference point. Okay. So he's out in the world, and real Cooper gets stuffed into this, like, metaphysical, he gets stuffed. And he gets then stuffed into the body of Dougie Jones, who's married to Naomi Watts, Janie E. Jones, in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. And, I don't know, we follow his... Trying to get back. He just just tries to get back A soul is born. I want to start with... The fact that they're living in Las Vegas. I want to talk about what people expected this thing to be versus what it is. Mm-hmm. So, the original Twink Picks, it's very, it's this almost like pastiche of small town American values, the white picket fence, the diner, the coffee, the pie, the local sheriff's department, everybody knows each other. It's very hokey. It's all in this sort of mid-century language that in the 1990s feels dated in an ironic way, and yet it's really clever and quirky and blah, 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 blah. And everybody wanted that to happen again. And David Lynch says, that doesn't exist anymore. Why the hell in 2016 would I lie about where the idea of what America is, what middle class America is these days? Mm. So it's not, I mean, now I want to talk about the casinos. But what I'm getting yeah. at here is there's a reason why this takes place in, in McMansions and housing developments where no one knows their neighbor, where everything looks the same, where it's all corporatized to the point mm. of having no heartbeats, having no humanity, and how terrifying that is. And I don't know. I mean, there's a million things to talk about. All the houses look the same. Vegas is, on its own, a symbol of America. American (laughs) greed. Microcosm. Amazing short documentary I saw for a festival last year that I programmed for called Atlantic City Character Study. And I'm not sure if you can find that anywhere online, but if you can, check it out. It's 30 minutes long. And it is, it is, takes place in Atlantic City, obviously. And it is all, it is not just about the disparity between the hope of breaking it rich or striking it rich Mm -hmm. and then the desperation on the streets. But it is very much about the illusion of the American dream and how it existed once upon a time. And now it doesn't. And now we put quarter after quarter into a slot machine, hoping we'll win it that way because there's no more ladder of prosperity. There's no Mm -hmm. more opportunity that income inequality in this country is staggering. I mean, 
Thank you, Mr. Jackpot. It's the lady. Thank you, Mr. Jackpot. She reunites. Like, all of these things happen because of Mr. Jackpot. Thank you, Mr. Jackpot. Hello. 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 <laughs> that scene uh, is so, magical. so magical. Hello. Everything in it is It magical. just feels so prescient. I mean, if anything <clears throat> saw Trump coming, it's Twink Picks, the return. Yeah. I like to think about... It's the neighbor across the street from Dougie, the mom who's on drugs. And yeah, her and little, the kid watching her son, everything. Because Las Vegas is a town that thought it was going to boom and didn't boom in the way that they thought it would. So there are really just these like empty housing developments. Yeah. And it's you get there like three houses filled on a street and like it's just... Like it's in it's a desert town in the way that they thought it was. And they thought it was going to be like a capitalist boon in the two thousand. No, it's a ghost town, which is what makes the shootout at the in the third to last episode between the FBI and the neighbor and mm-hmm. Jennifer Jason Lee and Tim mm-hmm. Roth and John Belushi. Uh, what are they called again? The what brothers? The man, man, man. Whatever. I like, forgot, but yeah, yeah it, it's all staged like uh, like a shootout yeah, on like Main Street in the Wild at, West. At the OK Corral. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to discuss. Where do we even begin? <laughs> My mind is racing. Um, For some reason, I want to go to Audrey. Sure. Let's do it. Let's yeah. go to Audrey. Just because when I watch this the second time, I think about how many shooting days did each person have because it's all so spread out over these 18 episodes. But like, Grace Zabriskie probably had one day of shooting, maybe. Maybe she had, two. She had two locations. Maybe had, two. No, she had three, she had three loca- locations. She had three locations. You're right. Um, but it's like, they probably did all the house stuff on one day. And possibly then the grocery store in the afternoon, like type of thing, and it's just like and then the bar and like yeah, the Audrey day. stuff specifically, like the way it's written, it takes place in real time, but it traverses <laughs> over like three episodes, seven episodes. Yeah, that's what I noticed a lot about this show. When is they that... finally got to the roadhouse, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, they escaped. There's a lot yeah. of, I mean, David Lynch quite famously was like once i got in the editing room i just moved things where i thought they fit best so it's probably like in episode whatever they wrote the whole audrey thing probably and that's how they shot it um but yeah because like another example of that is like the benjamin horn Mm -hmm. with uh ashley Ashley judd like and it's, it's like he's it's not com- that much. Completely he forgot is, Ashley Judd was but it's one hundred percent so far. Ben Horn is one hundred percent in his office the whole time he's in this season. Yeah, I, think. I, I want like never, Ashley Judd. I want to say there's one second location, but I can't point to it, so it probably is. He just, never leaves. Yeah, Ashley which is Judd not goes so different home. from the original Twin Picks. Yeah, yeah, but it's just like uh, I'm sure it was cross boarded to minimize costs, and it's just like. What a staggering thing to try to do. Well, it's staggering, but it also lends this sense of stagnation to everything that's happening. Yeah. And this sort of Kafka-esque quality to everyone is stuck in the same place. There's no escaping the office. There's no escaping Audrey's home. Um, Everything is singular and like, yeah, there's no momentum. I mean, there is in the Dougie story, kind of. Which is what propels most of the narrative. Yeah. But I, a lot of this movie, especially in Twin Peaks, feels like you are in a um what's the word i'm looking for it looks like you were like in a pool of groundwater what 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 is water that's not moving and it's just growing bacteria oh i don't know the word pond scum yeah yeah, it's it's uh feels like everyone is just stagnant 
stagnant and decaying. Mm-hmm. I mean, this the, for, for me, what the series the series is about so many things. I think when it comes down to it, it is about a world in decay that was previously in denial and now has reached a moment where there is no turning back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's an it is apocalyptic. It's and it's that that uh, goes along with the guys. Um, the shovel guy, the shovel and the shit guy, Doctor Jacoby. The shit. This is a really important point. I mean, because he's talking about talk radio, he's talking about polarization in the in the in society, right wing internet. Well, yes, but what what I find so fascinating about Jacoby is that he's a Trump voter, but he is that elusive Bernie turned Trump voter, mm-hmm. because what he's getting at. When he's giving these rants, some of it feels right on when he's talking about income inequality, when he's talking about global warming, mm-hmm. when he's talking about corporate power. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this thing about, um, oh, fuck, I can't remember exactly he's what it is. He's enriching himself by spray painting. That's part of it. <laughs> that he's selling and, for, and selling for, for $40 for, a piece. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, that shit just, when, the first time we saw one of those rants, I that's not the moment the series won me over because at that point it's like halfway over but I was mm-hmm. just like fuck yes another thing another yeah. thing for me this is David Lynch's The Tree of Life I mean he is encompassing everything here in a sort of a scattershot mosaic sort of way that where Malick gets very ethereal um, Lynch gets very um, experimental for lack of a better word yeah I'm, my brain is still dead what's really interesting to me on a rewatch is um the first time I watched it was so like I didn't know what it was and I have so many things to think about and then the second time I watch it it's like it's so fucking clear what he's saying with this and it's so easy for me to follow on the second time yeah and like I don't the first time it was like it's so shaggy and I don't know if all of it needs it but on rewatch it's like no, every scene. I tell you though, moment, even I don't, the, I don't find it shaggy though. Yeah, even on the, my first watch, like there are moments where I'm like, oh, there's, there's it's just so big. It's, it's just, just so, so massive. massive. I just think it, but oh, it does, it does really every single moment matters structurally. There's no episode that's like some people will say like, oh, that's a masterpiece. Except you know, the couple eight, scenes, uh, yeah, six and seven drag yeah it's like no 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 you, it's like that's not how you as a whole mm-hmm. as a whole piece and this i don't want to go there but as a whole piece like as a piece I, of cinema as a piece of cinema you can't there's nowhere i could not see anywhere where you could cut i I, I also i wasn't that jarred by the structure of it because it reminds me so much of twin picks fire walk with me mm. and that he seems to be consciously evading resolution and everything. He's all these shattered um, scenes, not as like a fuck you to similar to Lucrecia Martel, you know, not as a fuck you, but to really get you situated in a place where you keep looking for an answer. You keep looking for hope and it's not coming. It's never been coming. It's been gone for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And for me, what I love so much about Twin Picks Fire Walk With Me is how that puts you in Laura's head Mm -hmm. and it really hooks into the trauma of what she's going through and just the fact that, or just the experience of her doomed fate Mm -hmm. that there is no climbing out of this hole. It's been a very long time since we could have gotten out of this hole. And I feel very similarly about the structure of this obviously for Laura, but also for this society that can't really help itself at this point. And for a world that is uh, killing itself with poisons and toxins. Like Mm -hmm. we, there's this feeling of 
if you were looking for a clear narrative, you should have asked the question 20 years ago when we could have had time, where, where A, B, and C could have connected. B and C don't even exist anymore. Right. We can't, we, there is no leap. There, there is no way to clean up this narrative and make it more streamlined. Mm-hmm. Everything's a fucking mess now. Mm-hmm. You'd like, do you sort of get what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, something I, you said makes me want to bring up something I wanted to talk about, and I don't know if we want to get into it yet, but... Uh, let's do it. I don't want to talk about David Lynch's Trump comments, but it's sort of related to that, which is there are that I don't think is a fair criticism of him to like hate him for that, because if you read the full quote, he obviously didn't mean that Trump would be the greatest president. No, and if yeah, you want to give him shit, give him shit for voting for Gary Johnson. <laughs> did he? Has he said that? He says Do he think? doesn't. He says he doesn't remember who he voted for, but he Great. thinks. But he thinks libertarian. Great. Um, <laughs> The thing that I think David Lynch... <laughs> How do you can, not remember who you voted for in the most... Of, okay. Well, when you're rich. You're right. rich. You're above right. politics. Right. Um, David Lynch maybe has never seen a person of color in his entire life. Where are they? This is... So the thing that I want to talk about is that you said this encompasses everything. It encompasses white America. Yeah. But this is a show I, about white America, and it becomes an indictment of whiteness. When I, I, No, I agree with you. When I say everything, I mean about good and evil okay. is what I think the show is ultimately about. Um, yeah. But I just think we can talk about... He just doesn't cast people of color in many roles that he could diversify with, and he chooses not to. And it's just... It's his age, and it's his privilege, and he's been rich for 40 years now, and he... But the the converse of that is that it is a damning movie about white supremacy. I agree, and I think that this is true about all of his work, and it's similar to Sofia Coppola. You can't deny the fact that she is also coming from a place of privilege, mm-hmm. but a lot of her work is commenting on whiteness. And so right. specifically with Lynch, all of it, everything that he's ever done, and I haven't seen The Elephant Man, and I haven't seen The Straight Story, everything I've seen, which is a lot of it, is all poking holes in this idea of a great America. The America that Donald Trump is talking about when he says, mm-hmm. make America great again. The 1950s Main Street, white picket fence, suburban, GI Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, nuclear family, white. Laura Palmer is the embodiment yes. of saying that that doesn't exist. Yes. That has always been the milieu that he is trying to deconstruct. Mm-hmm. So I, you're exactly right. And you're exactly right to talk about the fact that David Lynch probably, uh, he might not even be considering it. Yeah, I truly think, yeah. like, I think, I'm not yeah. kidding but when because, I say I don't I think he's because, because the word, And I'm sure that you agree but because the work is all the work is about the facade of whiteness mm-hmm. and privilege and how what's underneath it is a teeming bedrock of insects. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the blue velvet shot. Yeah. And by, by, by which I mean there is evil lurking behind and beneath the white picket fence. Mm-hmm. And that's at what all his work is about. Yeah. Um, I just think in The Return specifically, because we are now in 2018 and he's commenting on the last 30 years of right. American culture, that if he had people of color in no, roles I think that's right. other than Charlene Yee, the whore. Who, or the band who throws who is with Dougie in the beginning. Right. It's like that's the real like only substantive role. And it's like yes, the band leader, but he doesn't have a role. He just no, announces. I agree. I'm, I, I'm not. I'm not. No, I know. Him. I'm just saying. And 
I think there's someone else, but it's like a like literally like someone is passing. I think so much of what the show exhibits is a tribalism that exists in society today, in, in American society today. And on that level, it makes sense that we're seeing predominant self-selected white tribes. Mm-hmm. But and it totally but, makes hold sense. On, but, that- no, but hold on, let me finish my point. Um, just because I, I just want to finish my point. The show itself is so expansive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it includes outer space. It includes the atomic bomb. It includes ghosts. <laughs> like it, it includes several dimensions. Mm-hmm. So why can't we then have a Latino family in Las Vegas yeah. that is somehow operating with the Jones family as neighbors or in the casino? Like mm-hmm. the, you, you can't really make the excuse that it doesn't fit into this story, even though it is about white supremacy and I think tribalism as well, because it encompasses so much. That you have, there's just no reason. It's 18 hours long. Yeah. You couldn't find some time for people of color in there to, to highlight. I mean, even, even if it's like misguided and to use them as props, which like I'm not advocating for that, mm-hmm. but the, the absence. But he, he didn't do it. Exactly. Exactly. He didn't think, even try. I think whichever you said, whichever one of you said that he just doesn't consider it. I yeah. think that's accurate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he doesn't even think about it. I agree. So it's like, yes, that's a problem, but yeah, he's just not. That's not where his mm-hmm. his rich white man brain is. Right. Um, I mean, David I do... Lynch still smokes cigarettes. <laughs> right. Right. How invincible so do you have to be? <laughs> yeah. It's in your seventies to still be chain smoking. I do want to say we're sort of on the subject of casting. I must. I must bring up the actress who plays Tammy. Okay. Yeah, for sure. She's a, she's a musician and collaborator. Right. Yeah. So she's she's someone Lynch him. knows mm-hmm. as yeah as a musician and collaborator. She was in like a music video or something. She can't act. I like Tammy. I like Tammy. I don't. I wouldn't say that. I she's. I like Tammy. There's an affect. There's there's something there, but every time she's on screen, and maybe this is. A plus for her, but I'm always staring at her and watching her because she she's over. She's very like if she were to drink her anchor steam, she I would, think she would drink her anchor steam like this. She'd be like, I think she's be like, supposed to sip of this delicious <laughs> brood role is supposed steam. to be like the sexy agent stereotype in yeah. like like. Paula Patton in a Mission Impossible where she's doing the work but she's there to be the sex object yeah. and to f- be specifically subverting that. And to subvert. See, I didn't That's, see it that way. I, I do. I, that was, if she there was, was any read I got was the rookie her, for me that. is what her role was. She was the archetype of the rookie recruit who's I mean, not, she's not, not, in, not in over her head but is there to listen and learn. Yeah. I, I and saw Tammy her. is just such a funny name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like Fuck Tammy. you, Tammy. <laughs> Fuck you, Tim. And just every time Lynch. We haven't even skimmed the surface. But what, Lynch, I'm like, oh my God. Lynch like says, so Tammy. But no, I think I think that's the read. The more, the more I watched her and the more I watched her, that's the read I was getting was that she is like just the hot FBI that's, lady. Yeah, but like she is like, doing no, work. No, I mean, he's doing it for doing, a point to no, I, show no, that I mean, it's fucked up. No, because we, we can talk about the way that... she does do good we, work we, we can where talk she about, subverts it. We can talk about the casino girls who are always there for eye candy and who are bossed around. They have to make sandwiches and one of them is physically abused at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Lynch has always been getting at the fallacy of the strong American man mm-hmm. as the authority, the patriarch. He's been chiseling away at the patriarchy in his own way by exposing how violent, cruel, small-minded, and erratic... Um, 
that that and that, this that says figure is definitively that American men are trash. Correct. I think in the finale. Yeah. I agree. Not trash, but well, are, that they're. You know what gave uh, it away for me what? was when Cooper is Cooper again, mm-hmm. and he's in the limo with the gangster brothers, and they're they're in with with the cocktail waitresses is what I'll call them because I can't think of what what their character description is. Mm-hmm. And they say, the, the two brothers are like, yeah, we're not going to come with you now that we know you're FBI because we don't usually do well with uh, law enforcement mm-hmm. generally. And then the girls are like, they're actually really nice guys. And, and well, not Dougie. Cooper is like, I agree. Mm-hmm. And Cooper doesn't stand for any of that. Yeah. And it's sort of, this is one of the most radical things that... Lynch does, and it reminds me of Star Wars The Last Jedi in a way. Not that Luke is emblematic of something wrong with men, but that you take what you might have understood this character to be and takes a takes a different leap with it that speaks specifically to the times the story is being told in. Mm-hmm. With Luke, it's about don't worship your heroes. It's actually a very wise sage thing. And with Cooper, it's that he he might be a pretty good guy, but he still prescribes to some very antiquated and sexist mm-hmm. Ideas that are based in the idea of white male supremacy. Mm-hmm. Of, the, he, of, of the male savior complex. Yes. Right. Yeah, where he thinks he can save Laurel Palmer. By the way, Brandon. Great log. Well, Re- really good. Again, Ben's log. Again, yeah, good Let's log just too. read our logs. I mean, I didn't, you guys actually wrote something. But I, once again, Brandon, the logs lately have just been. <laughs> love a log. So delicious. So My log has incisive. something to tell you. So Brandon, my log is turning gold. It's been so trenchant. <laughs> what? Your, your logs have been so trenchant. Wow. Thank you so much. Wow. Um, but yeah, going off that, he can't save Laurel Palmer. And the whole, I mean, Ben, you can yeah, talk let's about go to this. The, let's just cut to the chase because we're going to get, we're going to be here for a while. Real quick. Did you say let's talk to our logs, Brandon? I said, no, no, no. Well, I said my log wants to tell you something, but I said, right. let's but then I was like, I feel like I was, I feel like I was talking over you. If you said I was talking over you regardless, but I was going to be really mad at myself if I talked over, let's talk to our logs. <laughs> I wish that's what I said. <laughs> I, I always wish I could talk to my logs. What's okay. her oh, real name? Catherine Margaret. Coulson. Oh yeah. Margaret Lanterman. Margaret. I actually can't talk about the log lady. Okay. That's it's fair. so sad. I know we can talk about it. I'm just saying I can't intellectualize it. Because that hits me on a purely spiritual mm-hmm. and emotional plane. When she says to Hawk, I'm dying. When she says to Hawk, my log is turning gold. When she says there's some fear in letting go. I don't know. It's the mo- it is the most beautiful thing that David Lynch has ever done for an actor. <laughs> is to give her this role. In, in the return specifically. Yeah. Margaret is... Not just the smartest character in the series, but her dying. And of course, she knows she's going to die. And so they shot all of this a little bit before the rest of production, I think Mm -hmm. is what it is. This was written with Catherine Coulson's own nearing the end of life in mind. That is so poignantly for me, not just about the end of an era, but the end of an attitude in, in the end of empathy and heart and intuition and a connection to the earth um her relationship with hawk is so pure yeah Mm -hmm. that he listens to her and she leads them to cooper and anyone else would be like this crazy old bitch keeps calling yes but hawk always takes her calls and he's kind 
and it's and, and, and thoughtful mm-hmm. and and listens. Yeah, exactly. But now and he that, follows her advice. Now that and, and spends he, a lot he, of time puzzling he over what she's up saying. on it. Now that the log lady is dead, there is no one left in the town of Twink Picks who is going to be at like if if the log lady had died a week before this whole saga had unfolded, Bad Cooper would still be roaming the earth. Yeah. And this yeah. is why the show becomes so elegiac for me. Mm-hmm. It it is so much I don't want to say it's about the death of hope, because I also think that similar to um a Father John Misty record that came out last year called Pure Comedy, which is all about the end times that we're living in, about a poisoned earth, about a religious uh, right that has taken over American politics, about people not listening to one another. Baked into all of those songs, there is sort of an appeal for our own common humanity, by, by which I mean the silver lining to all of this is that if we can just learn how to connect with one another again and learn to love, mm-hmm. then we might not be able, we can't stop global warming with love, but if we start listening to each other again, I mean, with global warming, one side doesn't really need to listen to the other. My point is, is that it, my point is, is that we have each other, and that's always been our greatest resource. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also something that Lynch is getting at in Twink Picks: The Return. Yeah, I was telling Ben this. I like how Part Seventeen is sort of the finale for like yeah. Yeah. the, the characters and mm-hmm. the plot, and then. 18's almost it's not an epilogue but it sort of is in it's a like way. half of it's the exclamation point it's half of just cooper and diane and then half of cooper when and i forgot coop and diane have sex yes in the that's most a, terrifying sex scene that ver- have ever been committed. that's what i was the way he too. films her back, back. Yeah. and the way that this, her the way that her uh shoulder blades are just poking out and there's this very hitchcock trying shot to escape of like this angle like Above to the right of her face. That I is... knew. I, I swear to God, I knew that you were going to bring up Hitchcock specifically in this sequence. Well, here we are. Not, yeah. saying, not saying that you're easy to read. Saying that I mean, I am. No, but... saying that, of course, <laughs> it's it's there. It is. Yeah. And, there, it's the, and there's the, I don't know what type of music it is. There's an old song from the 50s, basically, yes. uh-huh. that plays over it in this really ominous way. But I want to talk about Laura Palmer. Who? Laura Palmer. <laughs> so, as... I don't know her. As Margaret Lanterman says, Laura is the one, and it's like... Laura is the one. Laura is the one. That's the name of an episode. Yes, it is. And I just have... <sighs> it's... What this story is, the plot, the ostensible plot of Twin Peaks The Return is the story of Dale Cooper returning to life. Yes. And... David Lynch very easily could have left Laura Palmer in the past with what that sets up. But it's the, it's it's always this question of why does Twin Peaks always go back to Laura Palmer? And Laura, Cheryl Lee is credited in every single episode of this show, as she should be. She's not in... She, well, the, she gives the greatest performance in the history of film. Not to under I know what you're across these not, 25 not, years. Not to undercut the point that you've made before about how like Laura Palmer is in all of it mm-hmm. and that David Lynch has given Cheryl money. Money to put in there. But her every, net worth is two million dollars, I checked, so she's okay. Hell, hell yeah. <laughs> but every episode opens with her face. She is uh-huh. in every single episode. Yeah. She is in every single episode. It's a dissolve as if to say that she is watching over right. everything that is that, happening. Mm-hmm. And it's like I know where I'm trying to go, but I don't know how to get there. Take this is time. what David Lynch is about. We have, we have what do we have? Sixteen <laughs> and a half more hours. Yeah. Yes. Um. I don't know. I need to like. 
I don't know. I like it's, hit a dead end in my. But okay, it's tough. Okay. In the original series, it's a true crime. It's not true crime because it's fictional, but it's like a, it's a serialized. It's a, <laughs> it's a serialized crime. Oh, that, that, I got a kick out of that yes. story. Um, about the white blonde girl who has been murdered, and mm-hmm. it became a national sensation because that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. And there's it, no other explaining why Twink picks correct. Fire. <laughs> yeah, and walk with me. Why everyone walked with the fire. And I've watched the first season many, many times, and I finally decided in my heart that David Lynch and Mark Frost knew Laura Palmer's story before they wrote it. They knew it. Because you could make a case they were never planning to tell who killed her. They only did because ABC made them. I believe in my heart that Leland Palmer was always the killer. Yeah. I, I don't understand. Because they could have just been because the the pitch that they gave. Oh, what you're what you're saying is is that ABC made them reveal reveal it, but they always knew it was Leland. I think they always knew. They didn't have to. Yeah, but I think there are clues in. Well, it was Bob. There are clues in Leland's performance that, to me, read as I know in. That some a spirit that yeah because <laughs> Le- Leland doesn't Leland doesn't know what he did mm-hmm. until season yeah. two but there right? is yeah. a yeah but there is mm-hmm. a manic energy about him in these yes. in the first few episodes that he's freaking the fuck out when he that, dances by himself mm-hmm. oh my god Northern, yeah the start of it's season very two. I think it's clear he knows he on some level he knows he killed her well he, and he raped her repeatedly yes. for years um so to David Lynch. And Mark Frost, we shouldn't erase Mark Frost. They know, they knew this is the Laura Palmer story, even though the show, the original run, was the Dale Cooper and town story. And he had to make Firewalk with me to tell the story of Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she represents that the blonde girl is not who you think she is. It's not about the loss of virginal innocence. But yes, that she's not the girl you think she is, but it doesn't matter. Yes. It's not a problem that she had sex with boys and did cocaine and had was just like totally fucked up because her father raped her habitually since she was 12. Yes. No, it, no I completely agree with that because it goes back to as a society when we talk about... <clears throat> when we talk about drug users, when we talk about crack, when we talk about sex workers when we well i don't need i'm not mean to say that all those things come out of some source of trauma or shame but we tend to blame the things people we tend to judge the things people do rather mm-hmm. than ask why are they doing this mm-hmm. like when um again this is it's not exactly a direct correlation but for me it's about attitudes in the white community in america around um like ferguson for instance mm-hmm. white people predominantly see riots as um it's just not right that they yeah uh, destroy public property not right private property no exactly exactly like everybody sees chaos right uh you, generally it's white people are seeing theft destruction of property the death of capitalism and to use a word that i obviously don't like saying but animals it gets tossed out into people who are under the thumb of oppression 
of racial inequality, of a justice system that is more interested in sending them to prison rather than solving some of the issues that lead to crime. Like, do you get what I'm getting at here? Like, it, that it's it's not so much about, in fact, it's not at all about the the act the action that you're responding to as much as it is why someone might feel compelled to do this mm-hmm. because you would do it too right if you were under these exact same circumstances mm-hmm. yeah yes um where do we want to go uh, laura, laura is the one in the premiere uh-huh in the in the black lodge laura takes off her face and uh-huh. she's light inside and in Fire Walk With Me, she tells Donna that all of the angels have gone away. And she is just like at such a low point in her life as she's realizing what her father is doing to her. And when she does get killed, the angels come to her. And I think it's really poignant. And I'm not a Christian. And I don't know if David Lynch is. But I think it's a really beautiful like metaphor that even if you have flaws that the angels are still going to come for you. And I think when she's in the Black Lodge, she has become she it's like, uh, I mean, we don't see the intervening 25 years, but she has finally been able to overcome what she's at peace. Yes. Which is what the whole last episode is about. That, yeah. That, that she's not Cooper Laura Palmer. Rips yeah. mm-hmm. this other woman, basically, yeah. from her home. It becomes Vertigo. Literally is the movie Vertigo for an hour and a half. He takes her from Odessa, which is named for the Odyssey, and he's literally doing... It's like all of these references. It's Orpheus. It's the Odyssey. It's Vertigo all in one. I'm glad you brought up Orpheus, because in the woods is what you're talking about, right? No. Oh, there, I think there's Orpheus in there, too. But go ahead. Orpheus, is the who's his... Eurydice he goes to hell to save Eurydice and he brings her back to life but uh, and it's like Cooper is being told by all of these other men that he has to go save Laura he's going to the past to save Laura and he feels in his heart he has to go into the past to save Laura which is what Vertigo is about Scotty feels like he has uh, failed Madeline by letting her be murdered and so he tries to turn this other woman named Judy who is also the name of the Judy the name of the diner. The, the name of the, the evil the entity. Force, yeah. Like the great oh, right, evil right. in the world is named Judy in yeah. the world of Twin Peaks. And he goes to Judy's, therefore we can assume it's hell, and he finds Carrie Page and he's like, you're Laura Palmer. And she's like, I'm not, but I killed this man, so I'll go with you. And, <laughs> and, and they drive and it's like Vertigo where the back lit is wrong and it looks like they're driving on the wrong side of the, the road. Two headlights, yeah. And there are two headlights and they get to the end and there are stairs that he has to drag her up and then we get there and she doesn't know where they are and it's not Laura Palmer's house and the person has never heard of Laura Palmer, I mean Sarah Palmer, and Coop is just totally shattered because he thought he was going to save her again and he thought he was going to save her before when he found her in, when he went to the past and found her in the fire walk with me in Mm -hmm. the woods. And there's also the shot friend of the podcast, film Bart. What's Bart's last name? IRL. I don't know. Oh, I I think his last name is Bart. I think his name is Jake. Oh, you're right. Jake Bart. That's right. Sorry. (laughs) He doesn't listen to this. (laughs) I think he does. Oh, 
told me. Oops. Yes. Okay. Um, Film Bart. When I tweeted the photo of Cooper Diane. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gordon Cole in a line in the black, he tweeted back a photo of. Did you see this? No. He tweeted back at me a photo of. Tin Man Dorothy the Scarecrow <gasps> walking down the yellow brick road. And that is the moment we exit reality forever. In, yes. Or, well, whatever, I, however you want to. No, write. And, and, you know, and you can also, that. Wild at Heart is the Wizard of Oz. Okay, mm-hmm. moving on. Yes. It's like, <laughs> like the, the Wizard of Oz when it comes to it's the It's his David favorite movie. That yes. he loves it, yeah. Vertigo is one of his favorite movies. And it's, I don't even, like, all I can do is just, like, pull at these strands and I don't know how to, like, pull them into anything. But, one of, well, no, it's, it's, Brandon. One of my readings of the ending was that they were in a different reality. Mm-hmm. And so she, when she shrieks, that's Laurel Palmer. Because it's the night of Laurel Palmer's death that he's dragging her and doing this. Mm-hmm. And that's Laurel Palmer dying in Fire some other dimension mm-hmm. that Judy has manifested them to be in not the correct reality. Right? Right. I mean, I think it's in an alternate dimension. He and Diane cross this coordinate point, which right. is all because Major... It's all because of the map Major Briggs gives in mm-hmm. season two of Twin Peaks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So and they, he goes into the past before they cross over. Right. So, like, these are two separate whatever metaphysical right. things that are right, happening. Right, right, right. But I think once he and Diane cross from the desert into... And then they the dark road. Richard and Linda. Yes, Exactly. It's 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 very lost highway actually. It is in that way. It is. I mean, I think the return is just like everything. It's everything. Ever, no, it I is agree. just it's like it's, this is what he's been working it's towards. The yes. It's the pastiche of at heart. It's the um, you can see all of it. Yeah, yeah. It's a culmination of his career. But I, I just want to say, so I think that Lynch. I don't. I don't want to say something hyperbolic by saying it's purely. But I have always found him to be a filmmaker who uses um, like subconscious emotion mm-hmm. as the baseline for narratives that narrative would usually be in, in most right. other uh, films you see. And so in the ending, I don't get so caught up on what dimension they're in, what timeline they're in, because the second that Carrie page turns back into Laurel Palmer, the very last shot of the series before mm-hmm. the recall shot of uh, Laura whispering into Coop's ear in the black lodge. Yeah. For me, it's so much more just 
Yeah. And it's just the greatest story about trauma ever told. And it, it see, I, I see, I, this is where I disagree. Only in that I think Twin Picks Fire Walk with Me is the best story about trauma ever told, but only because it's so personal. I think that you can talk about, and I think you are about to, so I should give you back the mic. But that Twin Picks, the return, is about the trauma of a world, like of of a people, you know, like not sure. just Laura. But when it comes to Laura's trauma, I think that it's you don't have it in this without. Well, see what what I cling to in the return is cooper's return from trauma so he's been in the black lodge for 25 years and it takes him 18 hours 16 hours to become himself again and he has to it's like it is a slow accumulation of who he once was and then there's he has to like finally jolt himself Mm -hmm. and that's like that yeah that's just very relatable to like my own depressive episodes Mm -hmm. And just like, I just, I, it's crazy to say that I totally relate to Dougie Jones and <laughs> Cooper playing Dougie Jones, that it's just like, I totally see who that person is and where they were in that, like coming out of it, it, he's shoveling himself out of the shit as shit. he uh, moves back into his life. Life. And it's really powerful to me. Me. Yeah. I know. I agree. And, and I, I, um, that, even if the ending subverts him as a hero, right? But it, but, but that's it doesn't, when it that's it, when it links up with the Laura Palmer. Yeah, story. It but when it's right. just Cooper finding himself, yeah. that's well, I also think a that separate thing. I think that you can't one can't be so selfish to say that just because they shoveled themselves out of the shit, which is not exactly what I think the Cooper story is, but you could certainly say that about it. Once you make it to the other side of that, that does not make you a superhero in right. terms of everybody else's shit. You are mm-hmm. only in charge of your own right. shit. And so once he crosses that line, and I also think that he's trying to save Diane on some level, mm-hmm. um, and then she leaves him. And oh god, we haven't talked about Diane, but um, I know. Can we? Yeah, but just let me say real quick that I, I was on board from the very beginning. But I it was I was on board in a very different way from the beginning. I was like, oh, this is going to be a very fractured, and it is, but like a very fractured. Um, disjunctive set of 20 stories at once and we're never going to know what's going on and that's going to be the point. And then eventually you kind of figure it out. Yeah. But when I really decided that I, that my heart was beating for this show was when I realized that the main narrative thrust, again, apart from the emotional through line, is that it's going to be about Dougie Jones, the soul of Dougie Jones being reborn Mm -hmm. and as like a child having to relearn the world around him. It's what I like about under the skin. Mm -hmm. Uh, When he tastes coffee for the first time. I think that's the moment. See, that's that's like my, I am the FBI moment. Mm -hmm. And it's not that one is better than the other, but because I've spread this out over so long and I watched the episode when he jams the fork in the socket before Outfest. And at this point that was two weeks ago. So I had Mm -hmm. two weeks between that moment and then Dougie in the coma. Mm -hmm. And, I forgot for a second why Dougie was even in the coma. Mm. And sure. I also and I also frankly knew the moment was coming. Yeah. Because I mean you two have talked about the it, internet. but so have millions of people on the internet. Yeah. So you knew what a- was if I come. if I didn't know that was coming, I would have been knocked for a loop to use Peter Travers' yeah. words. But frankly, everything in the hospital room for me was like a build up to I am the FBI. And right. that's you unfair. know it's coming. Yeah, and it's that's not an obviously not a knock on the show. That's that's actually an argument against spoiler culture. Um something else that um, it has been a year. So. I think is on this topic of trauma that I think is really beautiful in what David Lynch does is the again, the ostensible plot of 
the series is wrapped up 30 minutes into a two-hour finale. And it's as if to say, it's actually very easy to overcome the external obstacle that you are just using to avoid dealing with as an the real pain. Yes, no, I agree. And I think that's what that is all there for. And that's why it happens. It just happens. And someone else does it. Cooper doesn't even do it. The, oh, the one guy with the glove. The super glove. I oh, love yeah. Freddy and his glove. Mm-hmm. And, it's just and like, I love the bleeding from the mouth, man. Yes. Who also, I'm like, he is doing the same thing Dougie is doing, that he repeats everything that he hears. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, who's this guy? How did, what? He's there for a reason. Everybody's in that jail cell for a reason. So what led uh, bone out of cheek, pus mouth man what led him there? And it's not mm. important. It's not his story, but I just I wonder. find myself wondering. He's so gross. Um, do we want to well, talk, about... talk about Sunset Boulevard, which is also one of my favorite movies and is David Lynch's favorite movie. And um, it is Sunset Boulevard that makes Dougie stick his fork in the electrical saga because he's watching it. it. He's watching it on TV. And the guard at the gate says, get Gordon Cole on the phone. That's in Sunset Boulevard. Oh. And that's where the name Gordon Cole comes from. And every time I watch Sunset Boulevard, I think about David Lynch. <gasps> um, and this is not... I mean, it is this sort of... I mean, I don't know words. This is sort of like obliquely in conversation with Sunset Boulevard in that Sunset Boulevard is about the decay of this woman and what she used to have and that she is no longer on the world stage the way that she was and how that affects a person that has been in their own black lodge of sorts for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And this just sort of turns the story of Norma Desmond into the story of America. Right. And we have these people who are trying to I'm I the the metaphor I have made while you were gone is that David Lynch has taken the story of Norman Desmond and turned that into the story of America. Oh great, I can, I completely agree. And it's he is using this story of decay and with this noir plot that is something that he's been trying to get at his own entire career and he's yeah. like finally crystallized it. Whatever you said, I'm sure I agree because that's how I interpreted the Sunset Boulevard uh, movie mm-hmm. playing. In yeah. a way that I was almost like, this is a little too on the nose, yeah. David. <laughs> it's a bit much. Yeah. But like, it is, and, and especially it's, it's that nice, scene when yeah. she goes back to Cecil B. DeMille and, and thinks she's still on the top yes. of the world and he's like, you are in decay. You mm-hmm. are not that anymore. Yeah. Just like America is not a superstar just, anymore. Yeah, it's... We are, a, we, we are living in our rotting mansion, and mm-hmm. some people will still take care of us because they uh, are deluded. I mean, of course, Eric von Stroenheim sympathizes for her, but he I think he's also deluded yes. enough to think that she will come back. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. I know. I completely agree with whatever you said. Let's, <laughs> let's go to Diane because it's getting late. Yeah. I'm so, I'm fucking dead. So am I. Same. I mean, we've been going 90, so. It, what a shame, by the way. It is so cool in here right now. It is not hot. I know. It's a I summer night. My, I'm not sweating. I the air no, I feel on great. all day. Good. For I can you tell. Too. Thank you. Like, of any of the. Just for you. If any of the environment, like the temperatures to be in right now to go long on a summer episode, it's this yeah. one. But I am still behind on my sleep. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about Diane. Let's wrap it up with Diane. I mean, God, we haven't even, we have not scratched the surface. No, we, we haven't touched but it. But 
but we got to stop somewhere. Just add us if you want to talk. I have a lot to Maybe say. Maybe we'll do a part two. Talk to know. me. Talk to me in a week about this because I texted Brandon and I DM'd Matt or Spamer and I was like, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I mean, I'm still no, very much, very much on the Marion McPherson. Can we just can we sit with what we just heard? Yes, I just just finished I, it. I just heard yeah. this. And I feel like I just finished it, and I finished it a week ago. Like, like I'm still sitting with what I, I was, heard. I was joking when I said I've thought about it every night for the past year, but that's almost not a joke. Well, like I said, I've been, more, you took a year to process your thoughts. I've yes. been spreading it out over two months, and I find myself thinking about it all the time, too. But then as soon as I start watching it again, then I am back in the show. Like... I can't. I can't think about it anymore because I'm. St- I'm lost in the in the nightmare again. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing I have to say. Yes, I, I. have two. But the yes. only. I have none. Only two. <laughs> I'm done. Two characters take their face off in the return, and it's Laura and Sarah. Mm-hmm. And Laura has light inside, and Sarah has darkness inside. Perfect. She's got a Cheshire Thank Cat Grim. I'm gonna mm-hmm. eat you. Oh wait a minute! Can, can we talk about the jerky scene real quick? Oh, my favorite scene in the whole show. Well, then, oh, why yeah, then actually, then you it. just take it. Is Sarah Palmer at the grocery store when she says something happened to me once? Yeah, it just that she is there to buy her Smirnoff vodka, which is probably the most real piece of like propping. I, I would say even Smirnoff. I would say even more than yeah. the Smirnoff is the sludgy Bloody Mary mix she buys. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and it's just like so tacky, and then it's like. This feeling of you don't know what's going to set it off. And when you've gone through trauma, you have no idea what's going to trigger you. And all it is is that it is a different flavor of jerky. It's Uh just a turkey. You do everything you can to feel safe in your setting and Mm -hmm. to be like a cat and know every corner of the room. Mm -hmm. And then when something new appears, it throws everything into jeopardy. And it just. You're back to square one. And then it triggers this. She goes immediately to. My husband raped my daughter for years and killed her. Like, jerky on the wall did that. Mm-hmm. And she will never get over that. And then the cash register kids are like, well, she's kind of kooky. Yeah. Right. Like, they'd also it, 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 it highlight, that. Oh, yeah, it highlights how hard it is for someone who has been some, through something to find sympathy from someone else who hasn't also been through that thing. Mm-hmm. And to find someone yeah. who will just be able to comprehend it. And it's just like... Mm -hmm. Just to be able to listen to it correctly. It's like Sarah is not going to be able to tell the story rationally in the moment that she is experiencing a trigger in the grocery store to explain, this is why I'm erratic now. This is what happened to me in my life. And it's just, she needs like the person that Hawk is who comes and checks on her. And it's like... Sweet Hawk. Yes. I love Hawk. It's like, he's... I don't know. I'm I love trailing. That, love that I'm Norma. Norma. I'll just say that I love that Norma and Ed finally get together. Oh, it's uh, same. I, I cried. That actually that made me cry. When it's really when touching. Nadine goes and talks to him, I think that's the most emotional I get. Well, and Ed, she's like, like, be God. free. And Ed is like, Nadine, you're just going to regret this tomorrow. You thought you were a high school wrestler for a very long time, twenty five years ago, but you know that Nadine actually means it. Yeah. And it's so pure. Even though she gets it from a misguided source. Yeah. yeah. But it's so pure. It's so pure. She's just like... We should have done a podcast last year when we could have gone episode by episode through this. Twin Peaks. Yeah. Because it's the sort of thing where... I mean, one, I'm really just... We need 18 hours to go through. Yeah. But yeah, we but we have hard. to go we have to go through it. Um, we, need a, we need some sort of roadmap to mm-hmm. use the, the road, uh, the, the headlights on the road thing. Um, and... 
it's just impossible to talk about all of it. And it's also impossible to even get too granular without establishing certain broader themes that we've yeah. only just begun to dig into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure no one wants to be the faggot who's like, episode eight. But episode eight of Twin, Twin Picks is one of the best things I've ever seen. It's all mm-hmm. one of the best things I've ever seen. But in episode eight, when Lynch directly ties the entrance of evil in in the contemporary American society, which of course he's not saying that there aren't other evils, right. but uses the atomic bomb as a metaphor <laughs> for men trying to make great things and solve problems and instead bring evil, even more evil into the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Like upsetting the balance is what it is. And the like, illusion not that, that there it wasn't evil but progress. Good into the world. Exactly. Exactly. Which is almost what's so evil about it. Mm-hmm. But he's I don't think he's saying that like evil didn't exist in the world before right. this. He's saying that the balance was permanently upset in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I can't, I really can't go any further than this. I love, well, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk so about much. Diane. I want to talk about, uh, the music that you wanted to bring up before. Mm. Oh, so, yeah, sure. Uh, Sharon, just, Sharon Van Etten, Sharon Van Etten, uh, uh, the uh, nine inch nails, Avra, right the nine Rio. inch nails. Oh yeah. The nine inch nails. Um, Avrar, uh, uh, Avrar, Simone, I can't say it, but, um, well, what I like about the series, what I, yeah, the only thing I like about the series is this, but it's, it is so many things in one, in, in one package series too. And it is a musical review on yeah. top of everything else. Yeah. It's, it's a variety show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it reminded me cause I forgot how interested David Lynch was in music, and yeah. he is a musician. He has he pro- albums. He programs music at the Disruption Festival every year. Mm-hmm. And and yes, and of course, he's a musician himself. So the fact that he brings in these amazing female artists to close out many of the episodes, sometimes yeah. multiple times, he brings in Sky Fiera with an arm rash. Like, he it's loves just, Sky. Uh, it's just so exciting. It's just like on top of everything else, that's like the cherry on top. Of this whole thing is like the music. You get a concert at the end. You get a concert. I read at the it end. as like this very like Bowling for Columbine thesis of like we don't spend enough time together and like a concert is a place where we are all together and just like not even the Beyonce concerts. It's just the band at the bar. Yeah. Yeah. So Ben, does, does each... this mean we're going to start going to more concerts together? Oh. I've been thinking I would like to go to more. You should. <gasps> I mean, because I, I never do. We need to. Jump. I think the last concert I went to was Kesha in 2011. We need to look up someone who's playing at like the Echo or um, the what's the place in? Just like a smaller room, like mm-hmm. like bands that we all like and love. But like we don't, let's not go to the Roxy. Let's not sure. go to the Wiltern. Let's go to fuck me. What is the name of that great? Um, I can't think about the, it. I don't know. The um, the Ford. No, not the. Let's Ford. talk about Diane. No, sorry, the Fonda. No, 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 not even the Fonda. It's smaller than that. I saw car seat headrest there. Snail mail just played there. The bootleg, not to oh, get too regional. I've never been but the bootleg, there. great, great. Uh, just it's like it's a is. single room. The stage is basically on a riser. Mm-hmm. But by the way, the series is eighteen hours long. Wow, it's like Jean Dielman. You're a tight ninety. Okay, mm-hmm. keep going. Nice. Um, just final point on the Roadhouse thing. Off you, what you said, like, and you get all these disparate characters and their storylines, and you're not. No one ever really connects, but you just see these people in the roadhouse living, in the middle of living their, their lives. Yes. Living their lives. Like my favorite of those dramas was the one girl who she, she's in a bunch of stuff. Charlene Yee. Yes, and she just like falls down, yeah. and is just like crawling. 
Or is she screaming, right? Something's going on. She's definitely crawling. She's, in yeah. a pro- she's having a problem. <laughs> There's an issue. Something's happening to her. We'll finally yes. get to Diane at some point, just like Audrey finally gets to the roadhouse after 20 episodes. And, and, I, I, love, dances, I love... And then it's interrupted with violence. Mm-hmm. We can't even have something as simple and beautiful as a dance for someone mm. who needs it. Do you think I, she's still in the coma? Uh, I'm, I'm missing something. What? In the second... The second season finale, oh, right. the bomb ends, ends with Audrey in a coma. Well, I think that the, the the fact that she can't escape from the house might sort of and it ends with that. and it, there's that flash when and she's, she's just in looking the at herself in the mirror. Yeah, but does is she in an insane asylum or is she in a coma? Well, the implication. here's the thing: she has had the child, the bad seed. Well, you can be raped by Bad Cooper and have a child while, while you're in a coma. coma? Uh huh. No, I, I, that's sure. But I don't think if you're in a coma, you know about it. And she seems to have a pretty good idea of, I don't know. Well, I mean, if, if it's all subconscious anyway. I, yeah, I'm not going to defend this point. Sure. Sure. I'm just saying I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. But I think that that explains that the final shot of her in the series. Mm-hmm. I just love that, you know, Audrey Horn's going to show up, but she doesn't show up until so late. Yeah. And then what we get in, I think it's episode 12, like our introduction to her is her just screaming to this like, man who we have no idea who that is, uh-huh. and she's screaming about four names that we've never <laughs> Billy and Tint La- uh-huh. and then it, the episode ends. Yep. And it's like, there's your Audrey Horan. Yep. You don't know what she's doing, yeah. who she's screaming at, who mm-hmm. she's screaming about. Isn't Billy and her she's son? no, that's Richard. Richard is the son. Richard, okay, got it. Oh, I was also going to say <laughs> that um when Richard goes and beats up his grandma and Ooh. uncle. Oh, that scene. It's it's, scene. it's shot Have a nice exactly day, like Johnny. the first Clockwork um, Orange. Yes, it's shot exactly like the first violent scene in a Clockwork Orange. Like oh, literally exactly the same. What does that teddy bear keep saying? I forget. Have it's a good me. day. Hello, Johnny. Opioid crisis. Opioid <laughs> crisis. It's Oop. dark. Mm-hmm. It's, be dark. it's just dark. It's very scary. Okay, Diane. Let's take it home with Laura, Diane. Laura Dern's Diane. The greatest stunt casting of the last 20 years. Did you? Go, were, did one of you guys tell me that um, it was Laura Dern's decision to have Diane's nails all different oh, colors? Oh, I think I've heard that. Yeah. So maybe it was so That me. was her detail. I've heard that. I just love that we discovered that it was it was uh, dark Diane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was not real Diane. Well, and you get clues of that throughout. You can sort of feel her saying, fighting. fuck you. Of course, but also <laughs> that she's fighting with herself. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that you see it. I mean, I can't, you do kind of see it sometimes with Dark Cooper, right? Mm-hmm. Like, not, not, not regrets, but just like some, yes, there, there are scenes where he is being confronted with something and yeah. it's like being very shaken and it seems to be at like moments of moral crisis. Mm-hmm. And I think with Diane, you see that she, not that she wants to do the right thing, but that she does have love for Gordon mm-hmm. and for, oh, Miguel Ferrer. I know. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll say what I want to say about that at the end. But yes, the reveal that it's dark Diane and, and. That, I'm sorry, guys. I'm so fucking dead and I have 10 things I want to say. So I'll just say one thing and then I'm not going to say anything else about this topic because I'm being dumb. But when she opens her purse and you see the gun in it, it's Mm -hmm. just like so perfectly uh, Chekhovian. Mm -hmm. Because then when she goes up to the hotel room to like confess Mm -hmm. finally and we know the gun is in there, that when she like reaches in and then grabs her American spirits instead, like we know it's all building up to this. Mm -hmm. And something feels very wrong in the scene. And it's certainly helped along by the conventional um, tool of 
the Chekhov's gun yeah. in that scene. I just love the way that Lynch, like, you know, you, we talk about, like, you can't break the rules until you know the rules. And Lynch does everything he can to manipulate your own sense of what a scene is going to turn into. Mm-hmm. And he uses that to right. feed you into the subjective traumas of the characters or to help you understand that just something is amiss spiritually. Like, just like in the ether of the room, you even the, said the, the word chi spiritually, is off. Like David Lynch. Spiritually, <laughs> Naomi. <laughs> Have you guys seen David Lynch, The Art Life? No, I haven't. Check no, it out. I want Check to. it out. There's Have you seen scene... that video of him directing children that came out lately? Yes. No, it's like they took away your favorite toy. <laughs> and no, louder, honey. Like, it's so good. It's so good. In David Lynch, The Art Life, which I a thousand percent recommend. It's seeing. on Filmstruck now, isn't it? Probably because it was it came out. It's on Criterion. a Criterion. It, it was a straight. Yeah. It, it was. I, saw it, was I saw it in theaters, but it was yeah. a straight to Criterion, which is cool. And what I like about the documentary, like it leads you. I mean, it doesn't lead you into believing anything. Your own. Very much like a David Lynch film, you take your own preconceptions of what it's going to be, and then it dashes them left and right, not in a fuck you way, but takes your preconceptions and guides you on a subconscious level, among many other things. But you think it's going to be some sort of retrospective Mm -hmm. on Lynch's career, and it is so much more about his own formative injury as a child, as a young adult. The movie ends when he's just made Eraserhead. Mm. It's not, there's nothing after that. It's much more, except for his art. It's, you know, visual. You know what I mean by art? His paintings and sketches and stuff. So it's so much more about, and it's so apropos when you think about Laura Palmer. Like, it's it's about how Lynch became who he is, not mm-hmm. the great things he did, but what right. happened to him to make him the way he is. Yeah. But the whole reason I bring it up, and then I swear to God, I really am throwing it back for good, is that he's talking about something that he saw as a child, or he's talking about a nightmare he had, or something, and it involves this woman yelling something. And it, it takes place in like a very serious context, but he quotes the woman and like in this dream or in this real life situation. And David Lynch says twice as the woman, my nipples hurt. <laughs> my nipples hurt. <laughs> and it's just, you've never experienced oral pleasure until you hear David Lynch say my nipples hurt. Uh, That's it for me. Folks. That's All David. right. I had a thought yesterday about the, the blonde wig versus the red wig. And I don't remember what it was now, but I think there's something there, folks. Yeah. It's the good witch. It's the bad witch. It's the wicked witch. It's the good witch. It's yeah. Lost Highway. It's... And I, it was like somehow tied into Dorothy being a redhead. Of course. But I don't remember anymore. It's in there. Thank you. It's in there. Take a take a look. Watch The Wizard of Oz again starring Judy Garland. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. Um, that took me aback a little. I was got, I, I couldn't even respond. <laughs> well, we know I'm. We know I'm a fan. No, of Judy on a goddamn was, T-shirt that I stole from my just, little sister. I was just like, oh, oh God. All right. Well, if you want to know more thoughts on <laughs> our thoughts on Twink Picks, just add us. Speak to us directly. And again, same goes for eighth grade. If you want to talk to me about mm, it, okay. Nice. <laughs> I said it last episode. I'm doing a callback. I'm working on a blog oh. about Twin Peaks and Mission Impossible and franchises in general and our relationship with actors. So look for that soon. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Mission Impossible. In the same My article. Are Russell. Twink Picks and Mission Impossible as one. Wow. So that I can talk about Cheryl Lee and Tom Cruise together. <laughs> oh my God. That's incredible. <laughs> I'm in. What one face does compared to the what the other cannot do. <laughs> Tom Cruise's veneers. <laughs> it's kind of a, real quick, let's pour one out for Cheryl Lee. Mm-hmm. 
Because, I mean, she gives an amazing performance here. But she also gave an amazing performance 25 years ago mm-hmm. in her Independent Spirit Award-nominated performance in Twink Picks Fire Walk With Me. Established herself as one of the greatest actors of her generation. What have we done with her? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. She it's deserves like, more. I was looking. Which she ties into what we were talking she about. She works earlier. all the time. She has a million credits. Yeah. But it's like, what? Where is she in the, the cultural lexicon? I'm just saying, why don't we no, treat her like a god? I know. Yeah. I agree. She's in Winter's Bone. She's great in Winter's Bone. Correct. Oh, oh she is. Yeah, she is. <gasps> I was like, oh, no, she's good in that. Wait a minute. I remember exactly you what she exactly does. exactly yeah. who she is. Yeah. It's like one scene, too. I know mm-hmm. who you're talking. Mm-hmm. I, I pinpointed mm-hmm. it. Exactly. All right. Well, this has been Movies IMO. We barely scratched the surface on Twink Picks the Return, but as I said, just... We got through maybe 6% <laughs> of what if. it's about. If... Just add us if you want to hear what we have to say. Maybe we'll do a part two. Yeah. Who when knows? there's another. I'm still waiting on Ladybird part week. two. Yeah, maybe we'll do a part two. Maybe we'll do a Ladybird. We'll do a two picks. part. A two part part two. Part two. Yes. I like that. a double feature featuring double films. Great. Yes. Um, next week we're doing. Oh my god, how could I forget? We are doing Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible. <laughs> Fallout. Fallout. But we're discussing all the Mission Impossible. Today was apparently branded at work as Mission Impossible Green Out, encouraging everyone to not print and etc. I love corporate you, culture. Yeah, you, you take your puns where you can in the HR department. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is the first Paramount movie that I'm allowing us to record on the mic. Yes. Because we have nothing negative to say. Here we are. Well, maybe Daniel To talk will. about the... Co- but you're not allowed. I mean... <laughs> Why do you say that? What? I'm a huge fan of the series. There's just a 50% chance. There's a chance you might not like it. Why is there a 50... No, there's not. Because there are two options. You either okay. like no, it no, or no, you no, 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 like no, no, no. You learn this in math. You learn this in statistics <laughs> and shit. It's like, no. Just because there's two options, it's not statistically a 50-50 choice. Know, think kidding. about it. It's true it's okay. polling. Think about every other factor. Think about context. All think right. about Think about what I like. All think right. about what I don't like. Think about where I went for lunch last week this all factors in it's more like a uh, it's a fire season right now it's fire leo is a fire sign i'm this is not for i am not being now i'm being for real i was not being for real (laughs) i was just kidding now i'm upset well we're all gonna love mission impossible so tune into that (laughs) i'm brandon kirby you can find me on twitter at bk kirby i'm ben mb you can find me on twitter at real todd haynes daniel crook uh at daniel crook with three o's i just have to say about Twink Picks because I don't think there's going to be a part two episode. I hope to God there is, but I, there could be. I don't think there's going maybe to be. Like maybe like next April. Maybe, maybe next year. But I maybe. just want to say, I don't know what part it was, what episode, but in, in one episode, Gordon Cole, David Lynch has two moments, which we I think we actually get to get a peek behind the curtain and see what the director is trying to say and that he is literally saying it, mm. which is that he, and also, we didn't even talk about voyeurism in this thing. We didn't talk about the binoculars and the bad binoculars and how by David Lynch is filming these murders. He killed someone. Is, yes. Anyway, but that's not what I want to say. When he is watching Miguel Ferrer and Jane Adams flirting at dinner together at the hotel and he's spying and Tammy comes up he's like come here come look at this isn't that lovely isn't that cute like two people making a connection who have no reason oh, to yeah. but they hit it off and they're flirting and they're finding joy in the most gruesome of contexts and in the same episode when he is alone in his hotel room and he is just sketching with his pen and a pad of paper mm-hmm. 
and I find them to be very moving moments and lights in the dark. Cha-cha. Nice. The end. For me. Let's end with a question for our listeners. Okay. Did we say where to find us on the internet? Oh. At Movies IMO. Thank you. What platforms are we on? Twitter. Which lodges are we in? Black Lodge? Black Lodges. White Lodge? Red Room? Um, Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. We are also on other podcatchers of your choice. I don't know where we are. Stitcher. I guess. Find us there. Rate us five stars on iTunes, though, And again, please. hashtag Irwin is an insult. <laughs> oh, Irwin. right. We're still doing that hashtag. hashtag. Until, until the campaign pays off, we are doing the campaign. <laughs> hashtag Irwin is an incel. Well, what's your question true. for our listeners? Our question, please add us on Twitter. Or just add me personally. <laughs> at me, bitch. And let me know. Is the, Mal- the Monica Bellucci dream only in this so that they could get a French tax credit? Thank you. There's a bug on your blunder. <laughs> oh, there's two. How very blue velvet. Oh, fuck. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.